Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. What do we learn about children there? Well, have a look. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So we've got three things for us to learn today. First one is that we need to love children. Maybe that seems a little bit obvious, but I'm not sure that it is really in our own culture today that we love children. Um, Children are often seen as unimportant in our culture. Sammy was talking about this a little bit last week, and we looked at it in rooted groups too, that in uh, in the time when Jesus was walking the earth, children were kind of looked down on because they couldn't give you much. They couldn't offer much, um, and so they, they were looked down on. To us, maybe today, we think, oh, actually, we think a lot of children. We buy them lots of presents. They're the center of our um, of our culture, maybe we think too much of children, but often, often we can get caught in the trap uh, as well of not really thinking they're important, of thinking that children are a hindrance to the real things in life, that children are competing with our desires, that we want to travel the world, but they're tying us down, that we want to, uh, to flourish in our career, we want to go and do this and do that, but they seem to be tying us down. Our society is like that, isn't it? So tempted to value people only for what they can produce, only for what they can give you, and not really enjoying the company of people who take from us and who tie us down. What what do kids produce when they're young anyway? Kids produce snot. Kids produce lots of tears. You might get the odd cuddle, kind of cute photo here and then, but lots of tantrums, lots of frustration. As they grow older, lots of heartache. And so we might be tempted to look down on kids, to think of them as a hindrance, to look forward to the day, if you're a parent, when they'll, when they'll go away and you can be free again. God values every person, every person, because we're all made in his image. He doesn't just value powerful people, but he values the powerless, not just the clever people who can grasp every little inch of theology, but uneducated people who, who really struggle. He doesn't just value adults, but he values children as well. He values kids because they're made in God's image. And each one of us, in our own unique way, display God's glory. God values every person. And so loving children can be a bit of a countercultural thing, can't it? To come along to church on Sunday and to serve in the children's ministry without getting paid. To look after somebody else's children without getting paid. It's a bit of a strange and weird thing, isn't it? But it's something that we value as a church because we're a family together. If you're, um, if you're a parent, if you're married, well, what a good gift a spouse, a husband, a wife, and children are. They're a privilege. We should see that from, from this passage. Privilege to have them because they remind us of God's love for us as children. As you see your children, as you see your grandchildren, as you see the children in church who are part of your family, whether you're a parent or not, that is a, a great privilege, a reminder, as you love them and enjoy their company of how God loves you as a child. And an amazing privilege that you get to exercise some of the love that God as our Father exercises for us as well. 
It's an amazing privilege to have children in our midst. I wonder if you've ever heard somebody, I don't know, on TV, I heard this this week, say something like this, I don't want to settle down and make a family, I want to make a difference. Ever heard something like that? I don't want to settle down and make a family, that'll hold me back. I want to make a difference in the world. Well, we should, as a church, as people, be standing against those kind of attitudes in our own ways of thinking, because kids don't hold us back. Family life shouldn't hold us back from serving. The home is one of the, the best places to share the good news with, Christian, with uh, children, isn't it? To share the Lord Jesus with them. What an amazing privilege it is for a child to grow up with parents who love Jesus, with grandparents who love Jesus and who introduce them to him, who bring them along to be blessed by him. Home is one of the most important places of evangelism. It's one of the most important places for changing the world. So don't feel that you're held back by children. It's an amazing privilege that God has given them to you to shape and form them. If you're working in the kids' ministry, if you're a mother or father in the faith to any kids in church, we'll hear from some of these folks later on and pray for them. But if you're doing that work, if you've ever just encouraged and given a little bit of time to a child on Sunday morning, thank you. That's a wonderful countercultural thing to do, to introduce children to Jesus. So we should love children. And how do we love them most? Well, kutches are great. Gifts are nice. A, a warm house, a dry roof, all of those kind of things are good. But the way we can love children best is this, by bringing them to Jesus. These parents or grandparents or whoever it was in the story really did the best thing for these children. They brought them to come and meet Jesus. So what do they bring them for? Well, they brought them to be touched by him. I did a little search this week. You can do it if you have your phone. Um, search touch and go to Mark's gospel, and it comes up over and over again. People come and touch Jesus to try and get healed or to try and get his blessing. He goes and touches them to heal and to teach. But these children aren't being brought for healing or for teaching. They're probably too young for that. They're probably even babies. They're being brought to be blessed, just to be close to Jesus. So how do you bless the children in the church? Well, bringing them to Jesus. How do we do that? Well, you've got to share the gospel with them. Plainly, simply, encourage them to trust Jesus from a young age. I wonder if you can think of any stories of people who introduced you to Jesus. Maybe you came to him later on in life, and what a blessing that is to have people still sharing the gospel with us. Maybe you came to faith, well, you can't even remember when because you were so young. Who was it? Who were your mum and dad in the faith? Maybe it was your blood mum and dad. Maybe it was an auntie, a godmother, a godfather, a grandparent. Maybe it was somebody in school. What an amazing privilege it is as a child to be introduced to the Lord Jesus. That's our first thing. We need to love children. The second thing is don't hinder them from coming to Jesus. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? These disciples say, no, 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 no. These children aren't important enough to be around our important king, important Jesus. You know, move them away, move aside. And then they look at Jesus and see his face. Look at that. They rebuked these children, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. They think they're doing a good thing, aren't they? Keeping away the little people from the important people. And then they look at Jesus and they know straight away, oh, we've made a bit of a mistake now. Come back, come on, come back, children. You can come this way. We've made an error. Jesus was indignant with them. Don't hinder them. Let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Children can be Christians too. We don't need to wait for them to, I don't know, be 12 or 13 before we introduce them to Jesus. How do we hinder them, though? I mean, I don't know if you've ever stopped a child going to Sunday school. We know when they've been trying to run out with their Bible. Have you ever held them back and said, no, no, don't bother with all of that? I doubt it. There's probably not many of us who, here who've done that. 
But how might we, even as Christians, be hindering children from coming to the Lord Jesus? Well, there might be some pride in us in a kind of indirect way, just like the Pharisees. Uh, sorry, just like the disciples, looking at the children and saying, they're not really important. They're not people we should be bothering with right now. Let them grow a little bit, and then we'll bother. It might be pride in us that means that we talk to adults in the church, or we talk to our friends, and we don't give the children too much time. It might be kind of inverse pride as well, kind of thinking too little of ourselves, that we've got nothing to give. That, I mean, what, how could I ever encourage the child? How, what, what would they ever want to bother with me? Well, don't think about yourself like that. Think about the, that child. What an opportunity we have Sunday mornings and all the rest of the time we have in the week when we see children to introduce them to Jesus. Pride might be one of the things that makes us hinder children. And then also hypocrisy, maybe. Maybe particularly this is a struggle for Christian parents who come to church, who put on a great face and sing the songs and pray and open the Bible and look very serious and do all the Christian thing on a Sunday morning. But by Sunday afternoon, definitely by Monday, things are completely different at home. Kids see that, don't they? They pick up on that, on inconsistency. It doesn't mean we can never do anything wrong. It doesn't mean that we, can, we never make mistakes, that we shouldn't say sorry for those things. It's a, a good opportunity, isn't it, when we mess up with our kids, with our grandchildren, with anybody, to come to them and say, sorry, I, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Would you forgive me? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is living a double life, pretending to be Christians and be interested in Jesus on Sunday at church meetings, and then really giving him no notice at all through the rest of the week. That can be something that teaches children that this is just a, a cultural thing, just the face that we put on. Another reason, maybe we're theologically unprepared to do it. Maybe we don't know enough about the gospel. And so we can't make things clear enough for children. I think one of the most difficult teaching ministries in the church isn't this, what I'm doing, but it's teaching children in Sunday school. It's you sitting down at, at just before bedtime or, or in the morning before school, opening the Bible with kids and trying to teach them something simple and clear and understandable that's at their level. That takes a real good grasp of the gospel. That needs you to have really taken it deep into your heart, to know it like the back of your hand. We know that, don't we? If you find somebody really clever, if they really know their stuff about cars or about food or about sports or about sewing or whatever it is, if they really know their stuff, they can explain it to you just like that, can't they? And you get it. You understand it. If people are a bit fuzzy on the details of whatever it is, then you'll be fuzzy at the end of it. You won't really understand. So maybe you feel theologically unprepared. Well, maybe it's time to get some books, to get your head into the Bible, to come and ask some questions, to, to study and to get your head better around the gospel so you can pass it on more clearly to children. Or maybe it's not ourselves that we think are theologically unprepared, but it's the children. We think, oh, they're not ready for this. We've got to give them the kids' Bible. We've got to give them the easy Bible verses without the, the big words. They're not ready for it yet. Well, I think I'd encourage you, and I, I imagine most of us know this, kids really can understand a lot more than we give them credit for. I think we should, as parents, from a young age, be reading the actual Bible with our kids, not just kids' Bibles. Kids' Bibles are wonderful, plenty of pictures, nothing against that. But, but we don't need to simplify it too much. And even if they don't understand it, we should be teaching kids from a young age the Scriptures, memorizing verses so they would store them up in their hearts and feed on them even in later years when they can come to fully understand them. So give kids credit um, where it's due. Don't think that they're completely theologically unprepared. Teach them. Teach them. Stretch them. and Push them. 
Maybe we might lack urgency. That's another thing. Oh, you know, kids have ages. They'll grow up. They'll get it eventually. They'll, they'll understand more when they're older. But no, remember what Scripture says. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Train up a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. There's a reason we start, you know, maths and science and reading education at three, four, five years old and not at 13 or at 18. It's because kids pick it up and learn it from a young age, don't they? It's exactly the same with Jesus, with the gospel. Why should we wait until they're 13, 18, until they're six or seven to give them the good stuff, to help them read and understand scripture, to feed them meat? Why not start early? It's much easier to teach a child than it is an adult, isn't it? So what a privilege we have. We can influence children. We can shape them and lead them to the Lord Jesus. But perhaps you're a guest this morning. You're not really sure what we're talking about. You're not really sure what it means to come to Jesus. You're not really sure about this big story. Let me run it through for you quickly. This is what we're talking about this morning, that you and I, we were made to know God. But we've sinned. That, that is, we've lived as if, as if he didn't exist. We've lived regardless of him regardless of how he's made us to live. He's our father, he's made us for himself, but we live as if we're orphans, spiritually speaking at least. But the truth is, actually, we have a heavenly father who loves us, but a heavenly father who's good and who punishes badness, who needs to do that to be good. We want a world like that where bad things are swept away and dealt with. And God is a good God like that who punishes sins. But... It's possible for him not to punish us for our sins because of his own son. In his amazing love, the eternal son of God, Jesus, lived a life of complete goodness and complete trust in his father. He did what we never could. He always loved his father with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he went and died on a cross in our place. He took it all away. He took all that judgment away. He drank it down. He carried it into the grave and died with it. So it's gone. He died in our place took God's wrath, and then rose again on the third day, rose again to new life, to give you new life. That's the message we're talking about. That's the story we should be speaking to our children. So let me ask you, if you're a parent, are you more concerned about your, school, your child's schooling than that they know this message? Grandparents, do you worry more about your grandchildren's behavior, table manners, um, whether they're polite or not, more than you worry about how the Lord sees them? Do we worry more about how people in Tesco's might see our kids if they're having tantrums than we do about how our Heavenly Father sees them? Do we care more about their job prospects, about their happiness in life, than we do about their salvation? We need to remember those words from Deuteronomy, to train up a child in the way they should go. To, how do you do that? To teach them. When we sit, up, sit down, when we lie down, when we get up, when we're eating breakfast, lunch and dinner, whatever we're doing, share the good news with them. Draw their eyes to something about Jesus. Bring them to him. Look how serious it is if, if we don't. Jesus was indignant. It's a very strong word, isn't it? He was indignant when they didn't bring the kids to him physically. Imagine how Jesus thinks of us if we don't bring them to him spiritually. If we deprive our kids and the kids we have responsibility for, if we deprive them from hearing about Jesus, it's a serious thing, isn't it? But Jesus loves sinners loves our children, loves us, loves sinners like you and me, and wants us to be brought to him, to be brought into his arms. There's lots of stuff about children that we can learn from these passages, but really it's not the main point, is it? Let me read to you the last verse, and we can get a little bit, not just 
for how we should treat and think about children, but something for ourselves this morning too. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. So third point for us to all get this morning is this, we should all be like children. Not just that we should love children and help them and not hinder them, but we should all be like children, humbly depending on our heavenly father. That's what it means to be childlike. You see, the kingdom is something that you receive. We talked about that with the kids before. You don't have to do a load of spiritual exercises to get it. You just have to receive. You don't have to be an important person. You just have to come and receive it. Jesus says that's what being a Christian is all about. If you were to look at the context of this, at the stories that have been going before and after, you'd see, you'd see that it's not about um, getting everything perfect. People who are more committed to their own religion or more committed to their own ways of living and more committed even to our own sin than we are to God and coming to him, they can't come to Jesus if you stay like that. Or look after the story, you'll find the story of a rich man it's hard for, a rich, for rich people who are more committed to their possessions, to their wealth, to their status, perhaps, than they are to God, to come to Jesus. So who can come to Jesus? Well, anybody can, if you come as a child. If you come with empty hands and reach up to him and receive it. That's what Jesus means when he's talking about being like children. We could think of anything. What are children like? They're inquisitive. Um, children are are spontaneous. Children laugh a lot. Children cry a lot. So you could think about anything to do with children and then say, well, does that what, is that what Jesus wants for me then? I need to cry more, laugh more, have more tantrums. Is that what gets me into the kingdom of heaven? Well, no, it's not, is it? It's if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, if you have that humble dependency on him. The Bible is pretty honest about how children can be sometimes. It's quite negative. It uses children as pictures of instability or of immaturity, but also uses beautiful pictures of us being adopted by God and, and loved and welcomed into his family. And so what are our hearts supposed to be like? They're supposed to be willing to trust, willing to believe, to humbly receive all God has, has for us, to depend upon others. That's what children do, isn't it? They lay aside worries and come to mum and dad and ask for food come and ask to be put to bed, maybe eventually. And they come and ask for things and just expect to receive them. They humbly depend. They trust um, implicitly. They're willing to believe. So you see, only empty hands can be filled. Only those who are sick really need a doctor. Do you remember that from early on in Mark? If you think that you have something to offer God, if you think that you have something to buy his favor, then you have full hands that you're coming to him and say, take this. In, re in return for your blessing. And Jesus says, no, you have to let go of the things you're bringing to me. You have to not try and do laps. You have to just come and say, yes, please. Open your hands. Realize you're a little child. You're completely dependent. You've made a mess of your life, and I have too. And come to me with empty hands. See, salvation is, is a gift given to us. It's not something earned by us. It's only something we receive as children. So if you're not a Christian today, if you've never really heard much of this before, can I encourage you to talk to somebody and to realize that this isn't a club for people who think we've got it all together, for people who've sorted out and finally got rid of all of that sin in our lives, who finally got ourselves together and then come to God. Now, the church, God's family, is a place for people who know 
they're little children who can do nothing by themselves and who come to God and say, would you bless me? It's a family of people who do that for each other, who say, come on, I know where we can find help. I know where we can find blessing. I know where we can find a warm embrace. And it's with Jesus. Come with me and let me introduce you to him. And when we're saying all this, I think there's one last thing we need to remember is that Jesus is the one who did this ultimately best of all. You think about where Jesus is going on his journey. He's setting his face towards the cross to go and die. It's a horrible thing that he had to go and experience. And do you remember what Jesus did the night before he died? Jesus went to a garden and he knelt down and prayed to his father. I think Jesus, as he was teaching this, as he was speaking to these children, would have had had that future in his mind, would have been thinking, I need to go and die for the sins of the world. I don't know how I'm going to get through that. I need to preach this to myself. I need to remember myself, that my father is good, and that if I place my, myself into his hands, I can trust him, and he'll do what's good. Jesus is the one who went to that garden the night before he was killed and said to God, to his father, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is the one who doesn't just sit there waiting for us to come to him. But he's one who's come to us, who stood in our shoes, who perfectly trusted his father all the way even to death. So you can trust him too. You can come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for how I haven't trusted you. I'm sorry for how I've behaved like, like I deserve to come to you, how, how I've ignored you. I'm sorry for how I've behaved like an orphan, as if you don't exist. Thank you for Jesus who stood in my place and who trusted you completely as a father. So can I encourage you, if you're a parent, lead your child, your children, to come to Jesus. If you're a grandparent, lead your grandchildren. Give them opportunities to come and hear about Jesus. If you're a, a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather in the faith, if you know any children in the, congrega in the congregation, that's all of us, do whatever you can to bring them to Jesus. But don't just do that. Don't just bring others. Bring yourself. Come to the one who trusts his father completely and have him as your father too. hope that you found today's message useful and challenging and we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss if you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church make sure to like us on Facebook and lastly check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts Thanks for listening.